We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. All right, everybody, welcome to the corner. You know what it is by now. It's me, Andreas Hale, and my dude, Kel Dansby. Yes, and we're two journalists. You know what we do. We cover hip-hop, but we also cover combat sports, boxing, MMA, pro wrestling. So another week, uh, we had a short show last week. So this week, we're bringing it back, making you guys happy, covering a number of things, Hell in the Cell recap, WWE Raw, uh, Ronda Rousey covering Ring Magazine, uh, Terrence Crawford completely annihilating Derry Jean. It looks like he might get the Pacquiao fight. But, dude, I think first, what's, what's up with your boy, Yusef Mack? Not my boy. Oh. oh, that's your boy. Listen, this is a black eye for Philly again. Philly's taking so many L's this year. The Sixers are about to be in last place. Philly just can't win. Meek Milk is <laughs> Meek Milk. Milk. Meek Mill <laughs> is somewhere right now, just crying still. So, Philly, I feel for these guys, man. But yet again, another Philly dude taking the L. Yusef Mack doing gay porn? Apparently. Uh, it, but he says he didn't know he did it. He says that, uh, you know, kind of he woke up on a train with $4,500 and all of a sudden it's a gay porn with him and two dudes getting it in. How does Can that... you do gay porn by mistake? I don't I... think that's something you could do by accident. No, I think I could be dead. And if I feel anything coming through my rear end, I'm coming <laughs> back to life. It's, it's not going down like that. It's automatic resurrection. Like, there's so many things just messed up with this. First, he was just fighting at the MGM like three years ago. Right. He's only 35. Like, I don't know how it could go that wrong that fast. So he doesn't deny he wanted to do porn. His whole mission was going to the Bronx. We're going to sidestep that. This is not what the Bronx is about, by the way. But he took a trip. 
he was planning on doing porn, said he walked into a place with none but naked girls walking around, had a drink and a pill. Next thing you know, he did gay porn. So it's just like, yo, you're on your last leg, like for real. Like you were just fighting at the MGM. You got paid. And then now you got to do porn for money to pay your light bill. Something's wrong here. Dude, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, your box, you know, boxers don't make a ton of money. So I, I understand the need for making money. More than UFC fighters. Well, you know, the scale is so, you know, either you make a lot of money or you don't make any money at all as a fighter, as a boxer. MMA is like you're in the middle, but yeah, UFC people don't make a lot of money. So I guess, you know, they can do porn as well, just not gay porn. I don't know. But <laughs> with Yousef, what I just don't understand is like, all right, so you show up at this spot, right? And there's naked women from your memory, because I don't know who else corroborates the story. Just you. Because apparently those naked women were a bunch of dudes. <laughs> and then you was like, all right, let me get a shot of vodka. And whatever that pill you have in your hand, let me get that too. <clears throat> Word. So, wait, wait, wait. I, that seems sketchy right there. Because yeah, right, there's right. a bunch of naked women in the spot. You don't need a drink. You don't need a pill. Clothes come off. You know why I'm here. And then you get down to business. Like, you know what the deal is. If you I'm... only need a shot when you're dealing with super ugly women. Right. Or so, something you don't want to do. And plus, all right, so he's engaged. So he's already been in the process more than likely of, you know, betting his, I don't know if that's going to be soon to be X now. I mean, I don't know how she comes back from this. No, nah, um, she got she to gotta stay with him, stay strong for the family. Yeah, no, I don't. Ride I don't. or die? No? Nah, rough ride. Rough ride. <laughs> um, but you come in this space and you're like, all right, $4,500 to get in with these chicks. You black out, you wake up, you're on a train with $4,500 cash money. I hate when people say cash money, but I'm going to say <laughs> cash money. And then it's like, all right. And then, you know, like a few weeks later, it's like, oh, this video pops up. And it's you getting reamed by some dudes. Two dudes at that. <sighs> Not just one, two. I, I don't know, man. You, you, either okay, you, either you knew or you did. If you, I could uh, give I the know. guy a pass for one dude, maybe. <laughs> Maybe you didn't know it was one dude. You blacked out one, two dudes. You ain't get a pass for two dudes, my man. And then it's on film. It's on a legit porn site. People got to pay to see this porn. That's how legit it is. Yo, it's cool. It's not even like XTube or UPorn or X videos. Nothing like that. It's a legit ass site. It's $29.95 a month. Yo, it's called the Dog Pound. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, and then he says, quote, I've got to stay strong for my kids. All my yo, fr- like he got ten kids. Yo, he has a twenty-one-year-old kid. He's thirty-five. Yo, this dude, this dude's a mess. Listen, I had kids young. I can't talk. I had a kid at seventeen, so I get you know I had my ex-wife pregnant pregnant at sixteen, but he had a kid at fourteen. Right. He got someone pregnant at thirteen. Like, there's just a whole world of problems there. Yo, this kid is an adult. <laughs> Yo, he's 21. He's past the age of being ridiculed in high school, and he's at the age where it's like college. Yeah, but your dad just got it up the butt. And it's like, ah. Oh, I'd be like, yo, I don't got a dad. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know. Like, I, 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 yo, nah. My dad walked out of me when I was five. I'm good. Like, I don't want to go too deep into the, the homosexual thing because, like, Love and Hip Hop has that covered, apparently. But, um. Yo, which actually, that was a good episode. You say what you want. 
that shit, that shit was a good episode. Look, I don't want to go, like I said, I don't want to go too deep <laughs> in it because that's a whole episode in itself. Like, Mona Scott Young is exploiting, like, everybody on that show. And Everything possible. It, like, Everything possible. It is disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting how she's doing it. She may be a genius, but yes, it is. She's a It is also genius, sad. But she's, she's, <laughs> she's wrecking people's lives here. Like, that whole show's wrecking people's lives. But it's, it's the fact that, you know, for him to say, I didn't know what I was doing, and then it comes out and you're like, oh, and it's, it's not like he even denied it. It's like, that's not me. He's like, that's me. I just don't remember that. Well, you can't deny it. He got a million tattoos. His face is right in the camera. Mm. Mm. Like, you, you can't deny that stuff. Like, there, there's a certain point when you get tattoos as a man where you're saying, if I commit a crime, if I am in any type of leaked porno, anything like that, I can't deny it anymore. That's a risk you take as a man with tattoos. He took that risk. You can't deny it. So it was like plan B. So what And you... it's okay if he had to do gay porn. Listen, it's, it's a genre. It paid him $4,500 for two hours. <laughs> you can't make that anywhere else. Yo. My man, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. But earn it. Like, just, just go out there, own it, say, yo, I did gay porn. And if they give me another $4,500, I'm doing it again. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, the fact that he's denying is what made this a story. Because I wouldn't have known because I'm not looking for it. So it's like... I don't frequent the dog pound site. Like, yeah. I've never been on there. So I it's mean, not, not my lane. Who pays for porn anyway these days? Good, good point. That's the real issue behind all of this. Who is paying $30 a month for porn? Uh, I barely want to pay $10 a month for my Netflix. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you, you could stream this anywhere. Anyway... Uh, yeah, um... He just shouldn't have denied it, and then now, if he would have just owned it, he could have raised his asking price, he could have got $10,000 a video, he got a name now. Now he has to do gay porn. That's his only outlet. Yeah, he's kind of stuck. Now, he's a professional boxer, he has all this fame, turn your 15 seconds of fame into becoming a gay porn star, hit the circuit, make 15k a gay porn, you know, a, a shoot... And go feed your family. You got 10 kids. You're going to have to do a lot of gay porn. Yeah. Yeah, he really does because boxing didn't really pan out. So, you know, this is your second career, buddy. Not good for him. What else we got in in the world? It's a crazy day, crazy turn of events. So I wake up to news that fellow loudspeakers network podcaster, Tax, on tax season, has a guest. It is Joe Budden. Joe Budden's been everywhere. He dropped an album. Normal, right? He's doing his little media tour thing to promote his album. Cool. So he gets on taxis, and I guess they have a history on Twitter. They don't necessarily get along, but they're on the podcast. Joe Budden's a podcaster as well. They can put it behind them. The show makes 50 minutes. That's as long as they can stomach each other. Taxis and say, cut it off. Joe Budden gets up and walks out. And now black Twitter and the internets are going crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Joe. Joe's temperamental. Things happen. I guess he wasn't happy with what Tax said, asking about a chick. Um, yeah, I'm not too surprised by any of this, nor do I care enough to really discuss it because it's Joe. It's Joe and Tax. I, I'm not too surprised that Joe would walk off anybody's show. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's what Joe, Joe was doing. It's crazy because Tax, like, wanted to end the show. I feel like the longer you drag out the drama, the better it is for the podcast, but it is what it is. He couldn't take Joe's uh, psycho babble anymore, and it got to him. Um, I just don't know the inner workings of black Twitter. I feel like this was coming all along, though. Like, 
when you invite someone on your podcast that you don't get along with, you know what's going to happen. Obviously. I mean, if, if Charlamagne invites, you know, and Charlamagne and Drake are on The Breakfast Club, more than likely some sparks are going to fly. But, you know, especially with somebody like Joe Budden, who, like I said, is temperamental, is a little bit emotional, and he's pretty raw about his feelings, and, and Tax, who just clearly doesn't give a fuck about anything. Um, <laughs> it's, this, is, this is, you know, the perfect mixture for either a great show or something that's just going to self-destruct. Well... It went viral. It went viral before the show even came out. People were talking about it last night because there was a video of Joe Butter walking out. Now people have the show. Everyone's tuning in to listen to the show. But what we do on our show is obviously bring it to a combat sports perspective. In the octagon, in the cage right now, who do you have, Tax or Joe Butter? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I have Joe, to... Joe got the height. He got the reach a little bit. Tax a little stockier, though. It's like Mendez versus McGregor, kind of. Yeah, but didn't Joe get slapped up by, he by the way? He did. He doesn't know how to use the range. You can close you can close in on his guard real easy, it looked like. That slap came from close range. Yeah, so it's like when you, when you get he slapped He got slapped up, twice, right? He got slapped by consequence. His reflexes just aren't there. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, you know, that, that happens over the years. His reflexes aren't the best. He's out of his prime years. He is. You know, he talks a lot, though. He's always talked a lot about fighting a lot. He used to get in fights in Jersey City, all that. It takes a toll on you. Maybe he's an old 30-something. So he's he don't, like... He don't got the reflex anymore. Tax, I don't know. Tax looks like he, he could really just take him down at will. A little ground and pound, dirty elbows. Tax doesn't fight fair. Tax has to be like DC. A lot of dirty boxing. That's a very strong possibility. So we're saying, you know, that Joe is kind of like Lucas Matisse, you know, kind of battle-worn, Robert Guerrero, and Texas. Texas who? Tax is just starting right now. I don't know Tax's history. Tax, didn't Tax go away for some time? I got to ask Tax. We got to get Tax on the show. Tax, it seems like he got that ruggedness. Like, he got the Hopkins in him. Like, he's just hitting his second wind. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. So he's a, he's a late bloomer. And you'd be like, ah, tax is kind of washed, but you got that Hopkins, and he's just knocking people out. And he's only getting better with age, probably. I, I feel like he's in that stride where Joe is on the opposite decline. Joe, Joe is like Zab Judah. Damn. Joe, had, Joe had a lot of promise early. He's still hanging around. You want to pick him in every fight, but you just don't know. Okay, well, I guess that leads us to this week's pound-for-pound list. Uh, Rappers who you wouldn't want to fight the octagon. So, Kale, you came up with this silly list. I'm going to let you take it away. Listen, it's a good list. Uh, It's easier, well, it's harder than rappers I would want to fight in the octagon because every spot would be filled by Lil B because Lil B doesn't look like he's fighting anybody. Mm. So that'd be my pick of person I could beat in the octagon. But five rappers I wouldn't want to fight in the octagon – Number five, T.I. He's been to prison way too many times, jailed too many times. He's short, he's scrappy, got a temper. I'm not fighting T.I. in the octagon. Four, Danny Brown. He's missing a tooth. Anyone missing a tooth, I'm not fighting. That's in life. If I'm at a bar and it's about to go down, if a guy's missing a tooth, I'm squashing it, I'm buying a shot, we're all good. Three, I'll go Tech Nine at three. Just because Tech Nine... He's kind of like stocky. He could be like a rampage kind of. He got the beard like Tank Abbott. Not fighting it. Uh, he makes crazy music. I, I can't do it. Three, two, Styles P. Especially now he's juicing. He's like 20 years old. He's reinvigorated. I'm not fighting Styles. 
and all his lyrics, that's all. He, just throw on a Styles P song, and now you know I'll never fight him ever, especially in the octagon. One DMX, self-explanatory. Because he's crazy. Yeah, just, I mean, don't never never fight a crackhead in life, ever. They got freak strength. They'll do anything to win. DMX would be probably the best rapper turn fighter. Like a young DMX, too. Like a Rough Riders DMX mm-hmm. would have been one hell of a UFC fight. That's right. my top five. Well, I'll give you my top five. And I'm just doing this off the dome as usual. Um, one dude I just would never want to fight is Freddie Gibbs. Uh, <laughs> Gangsta Gibbs always struck me as a guy who can knuckle up and throw him. So, yeah, I wouldn't fight Freddie Gibbs. Uh, and, you know, he's from Indiana. And those Indiana cats are scrap. Um, DMX, obviously, like, yes, it has to be prime DMX. I don't know. Cocaine, cracked out DMX might be a scary guy to fight, too. You know, uh, I don't think that guy wants to lose at anything right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, LL Cool J, just because he's LL Cool J, don't want to fight him. He said, Mama said, knock you out. Uh, he's clearly juicing. There's no way that this man remains this young for this long. Uh, him and oh, yeah, v- he's yeah. on the Belfort. Yeah, him and Vitor Belfort are on the TRT. Um, staying far, far away from that cat. Um, you know, I gotta, you know, MOP, I don't want to fight Little Fame or Billy Dance. I stay away from both of them. Uh, okay, but they're always around each other, so it's not like you got to fight both of them at the same time. I, I, see, individually, I, I'd like the chances there. See, I don't ever foresee that match happening without the other being around. So uh, I don't, it's like the Diaz brothers. If you're going to fight one in public, you're going to end up fighting two. In the cage, one of them might jump the cage. You know, fame might, might stomp you out. You never know. Um, and one is pretty much anybody from the Wu-Tang Clan. If they're, they're still gully as hell, I don't want to see, I don't want to have nothing to do with Jizza. I don't, and especially the Wu-Tang members that don't do anything, like those offshoot guys, I've always felt like they're like the nation of domination. And they just run in and beat people up for no reason. And that's really it. I don't want to fight anybody from that crew. They're like the new age scrap pack, old age scrap pack. I don't, and they're all from Staten Island. Staten Island dudes get it in. So I ain't fighting any of those guys. How many people have you fought from Staten Island? I've met like three people in my life from Staten Island. And I go to New York all the time. Grew up in New York. I met like three people in my life from Staten Island. Really? I mean, you know, I was a kid, but, you know, like my uncle do mad people from New York. And, you know, you know anybody, New York cats, for the most part, you want to say can fight. I've met a lot of New York cats that just talk. It's the accent that scares a lot of people off. Um, and, you know, like Honorable mentioned, the, the way the game is, you know, beefed up, he looks like he's ready to fight somebody. See, that was close. I debated with the game, but to me it's all show. So I was just like, I, I don't know how good he can fight. Royce almost made the list, friend of the podcast, Royce, because he watches way too much fighting and he's way too calm for me. Like when you're calm, that's the scariness. Yeah, because like he knows a lot about fighting, so I feel like he got hands that are out of this world, and he doesn't say much. When people don't talk trash and they they just real calm about it, that's the scariness. That's true. That's true. All right, so let's let's talk about what we really talk about on this show. And kicking it off this week is the Hell in the Cell recap. We just had Hell in the Cell. Um, Kel, off the rip. What were your thoughts on the show? Good show. Better pay per view than I thought it was going to be. Um, it's weird. The the booking for it, like the, the order of the matches, because it started off really high and then kind of collapsed towards the bottom. Um, but it got me to watch all the way through because I was like, maybe the next match will be better. Maybe the next match will be better. It wasn't. And the beginning was the high point of the pay-per-view, but still good. Um, 
especially for an offshoot pay-per-view. It's not supposed to be that big. Survivor Series is coming up. I know you want Survivor Series to be like reinvigorated yeah. as one of the main pay-per-views. So I thought this one would just kind of be a dud and it's just ending all the feuds and it'll just be boring. But I was surprised. And uh, it's kicked off with the John Cena Open Challenge. So that's one hell of a way to start. Uh, all right. So I'm seeing, uh, we'll talk about Alberto Del Rio and Zeb Coulter being together in a minute. But That's weird as hell, by the way. It, yeah, continue. I didn't like it at all. But seeing Del Rio came back was great. The match was pretty bad. Wasn't great at all. It was probably Cena's worst match since before Mania. Yeah. It, it, was, it was bad. Like, mm-hmm. so much Super Cena stuff had built up. To see him just go through the motions, he – I don't even think he hit one uh, attitude adjustment. He didn't. He, it was an eight-minute match where Del Rio pretty much ran in. Um, it seemed like Cena was out of sync the entire match, or maybe he just mentally checked out and was preparing for his fitness show. I don't know what he was doing. But the match was super short. Del Rio won with a super kick, well, whatever the, the roll-through kick is that he does when uh, Cena was on his knees, and got a clean pin. For as many times we've seen Cena kick out of pretty much everything, for him to just you know get pinned on the first Big move of the match was strange. It just yeah, really seems like Del Rio's finisher. Well, it's I don't know. Like that's why we'll talk about because I, I missed the rolling arm bar that he used to do. Um, he looks like he's doing the 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 coup de gras that like that Finn Balor does off the ropes. It seemed like he did that on Raw. I don't know what Del Rio is. I don't know what he's doing. Now let me talk about Zeb Coulter. <laughs> I don't understand this at all. I don't know if they're because if he was a face and they tried this Mexican American thing in response to Donald Trump. Politically, it makes sense. But it seems like he's a heel. Zeb Coulter seems kind of weird in that role. And I miss, you know, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez doing, you know, the rolling the R's for Alberto Del Rio's name. I, I just don't think Del Rio's going to last in this spot as the U.S. champ. Well, I think he can last in the spot as U.S. champ because that's what they like. Either you are super United States patriotism guy or you're anti-United States and you kind of have a different nationality and you can play against nationalism to make you the heel. And I think Del Rio and, you know, just being Mexican and holding the title, it's a natural heel role, kind of like when Rusev and they had him Russian and it's just a natural heel role to hold the U.S. title. Now, that being said, it would be great for him to be just anti-American and anti, you know, kind of Donald Trump and all that stuff and, and just say, you know what, immigration built this country, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of, that's what they were aiming for, but they just gave him the wrong valet. I mean, is, it, is that a heel move? <laughs> this is my problem. Is Mexicans and immigration in this country a heel move? Oof. Um, Anti-Republican is kind of a heel move. Like, because you just got to be real anti-Republican, anti-Donald Trump. Probably not for their core audience, but people will end up kind of liking the heel. But it's a heel role, yes. See, I, yeah. People I just get... are in favor of the heel in that spot currently. Yeah. But the I... New Days are heels, and they are wildly over. But see, that's it's just it's... the nature of the beast right now. When you're dealing with political issues such as immigration, it's a very touchy subject. And if you turn heel, it's like, well, basically what you're saying is 
fuck immigration, and <laughs> we're going to we're in support of building a wall around around Mexico. <laughs> it's just what it sounds like. And Zeb Coulter is just not really the guy that fits Del Rio's mold. I, no, I, they could have left Zeb Coulter out of it entirely, and wherever he was, he was fine. I'm sure. Yeah, it was weird. And now, seeing that he didn't show up on Raw, he's gone apparently until the end of December, which I would predict he's going to show up around Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, whatever. Moving on. The Hell in the Cell match with Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt. Um, yeah, I don't think this match needed a sell. It could have been a last man standing match. It was the same damn match. What? It was the best match of the night. Yeah, you kept saying that. I wasn't, I wasn't that impressed. It stole the show. Eh, no, it wasn't the best match of the night. It wasn't better than Taker Lesnar. It was, it was better than Taker Lesnar. Nah. The way that they used the cage, he put the chair in the cage. He put, they had the kendo stick. Everything was dope about the match. Good Again, pacing. Let me ask you, did you need a cage to do the, the spots that they did in that match? No, did you need one for Taker and Brock? They didn't use the cell either. No, but you had you had blood, you had there was the element where it felt like you needed a cage with Lesnar Undertaker. This match, it was a last man standing match. It was, you needed really what the it was. cage so you had the illusion that no one can interfere. Now, that's what the cage bought to the match. That is what the cell bought to the match. The Wyatt family was removed. You saw Bray standing strong by himself. You saw Reigns say that he's better than someone and win clean. That's what it needed. Doesn't that happen anyway? They both beat the hell out of each other. No, because someone interferes. The Wyatt, there's a million Wyatt family members. They built up Braun Strowman to always interfere and choke people the hell out. This was one-on-one. You guys go in there and wrestle. And they did one hell of a job at doing that. Nah, I wasn't terribly impressed. I thought it was. I thought their match that was on Raw a couple of weeks ago, when Rain speared Bray Wyatt through the announcers' table, was just as good as this match. I don't think this match was that great. They had a few spots that were predictable. A table spot, the Kendall Six spot was cool, but I really didn't understand what they were going for there. I thought somebody was going to get impaled. I wasn't impressed. I'm not. This match didn't do enough for me in the sense that. It's Bray Wyatt doing the job again and Roman Reigns coming out strong again in a pretty decent passable match to end a feud. I, I wasn't too much. I wasn't enamored by this match. Wow. Easily the best match of the night. Absolutely not. Everything anyway. after that went down. Nah. Oh, well, so then we had the New Day and the Dudley Boys. Eh, it was cool. It was what it was. Um, yeah, whatever on that. Um, yeah. I missed the trombone. Yeah, me too. Um <laughs> We won't say, I mean, you know, it happened what it was. Xavier Woods is off television for the time being. I'm sure he'll be back soon. Uh, he got married, right? Or is that the uh, thing? Like, someone said he like, got married and went on, on his honeymoon? I, I don't know. Whatever he did. But he was out. So the match was, it was decent. Um, Charlotte and Nikki Bella. Okay. Kel, give your thoughts because I have a lot of thoughts on this match and what they're doing with the Divas division. Um, best Nikki match in a while. I still didn't like it. Um, I think Charlotte, out of the quote-unquote four horsewomen of NXT, is my least favorite, least favorite to watch. She has the physique and the build, and she looks athletic, and she has the name, which is why they push her first. But in-ring, moveset, everything else, I like the other three women better. So... That paired with Nikki Bella, who does the same ring psychology every damn match because she has a move set of four moves. So she has to pick on a body part and just tweak it and crank on this and 
you know, just beat one body part to death and there's a million different weak submissions because that's the only way she can carry a match longer than five minutes, which bothers me because she has no other moveset. She can't pick up the pace in any match if you wanted her to. It's just not in her DNA. So they put on the best match possible. Charlotte wins again. Whatever. I'm ready for a new feud. Hopefully Nikki Bella is fine with taking the back seat. Um, we'll see if that happens. Uh, I, I doubt it, but if she is, it's cool. She can have an offshoot feud while now we know Paige and Charlotte are going to go at it. I'd like to see Nikki maybe versus Sasha Banks give Sasha some shot. All right, so here are my thoughts. I, I, I kind of said this on Twitter. It was Nikki's best match ever, Charlotte's, like, sixth best match. Um, Nikki has turned into the John Cena of, you know, when it comes to the moves. It's, it's pretty basic. Uh, that weird spot off the top turnbuckle where they tried to pull off something that was NXT-ish and it came off as bocce-ish where, like, Charlotte did, like, a backflip and I don't It was, like, supposed to be, like, an electric chair or something. It, it just looked crazy awkward. Yeah. The best move of the match, however, was Nikki Bella's Alabama slam on Charlotte on the ring apron. That looked pretty brutal. But the problem with that is you pull off a move like that and then Charlotte gets the win maybe like three minutes after. Like there was really a no sell on that move. They just went back in the ring. Charlotte locked in the figure eight and the match was over. Ring psychology just wasn't there for that match. I'll be glad when this feud is over. Hopefully, I'm actually more intrigued to see Paige... And Becky Lynch feud than Paige and Charlotte right now. That'd um, be a great feud. And I think it leads up to the Paige and, and Charlotte and I think title match. But I think she has to go through Becky on a couple Monday Night Raws to get to Charlotte. And those matches will be better than the eventual title match at Survivor Series or tables, ladders, and chairs, whatever it may be. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully there's, there's rumors that Nikki's going to take a vacation with her fiancé, whatever John Cena is to her. Um, so hopefully she's taking a break as well. But if she takes a break, that means Bree has to take a break. That means Alicia Fox has nothing to do with her life. And Which is good. She is horrible right now. Yeah, I'm cool on seeing them all vanish for at times. But the, the match itself, it was kind of botchy and sloppy. It was decent but not great. Um, oh, Charlotte tried to hit her like neck breaker that she hit all the time in NXT. And then Nikki just, her sell of it was horrible. The move was botched. I was just like, oh, like, come on. Just keep pace. Whenever the pace picks up and they're trying to do something exciting or something that takes real athleticism, Nikki can't do it. Yeah. She just can't. She, she looks athletic and she looks like a prototype of what she would want, but there's no athleticism there. Yeah. She is literally a Barbie. It's very stiff, but it looks great. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool on Nikki. I'm cool. Like, where's Sasha? Um and then after this, so we had Seth Rollins and Kane's, ma- Kane's match, which was a lot better than I anticipated it to be. Uh, Seth Rollins, I thought it was boring, but Seth, continue. Seth did what he was supposed to do. Um, my problem with this match is, like I said from the beginning, the feud never made sense. I don't understand why this particular match wasn't in a cell. Why wouldn't this match be in a cage? That would make a lot more sense. I think we've seen Seth Rollins in a cell. He does a lot of wild shit. Um, him and Ambrose's Hell in a Cell match was an actual Hell in a Cell match last year. Um, they actually used the cell. It was great. Yeah. I think Kane would have done the same. He would have thrown Rollins through the cell at one point. It probably would have wrecked the cell. They would have just some stupid. And that's why they couldn't have done it. Because they needed the cell for two matches. And it wasn't headlining. Uh. So, that being said, 
it would have been a way better match probably than both of the other ones because they would have used the cell. And it's kind of Kane's match. If, like, if it's anything, it's Taker's match and Kane's match. Yeah, it, see, that's where I had a problem with it. Like, I'm watching, I had no problem with Rollins going over clean. I'm glad that finally happened. Just the, the match itself, to, without the cell to be a title match, just kind of felt like, why are we even doing this? This, yep. this is just kind of here. And again, Seth is the best performer that they have on the main roster at right now. Uh, him and Kevin Owens, I think, are the Correct. best performers. Or so, Cesaro, but he's buried. Well, yeah. Well, but Cesaro's infinitely right. buried. But um, to see Rollins have a good match that could have been much better if it was in the cell uh, was a little disappointing. But, you know, it was what it was. Uh, then we got, and speaking of Kevin Owens, the Kevin Owens Ryback match, that was like the most boring Kevin Owens match possible that was completely not his fault. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Owens can only make so many people look good. Ryback is not one of them. And it's nice to see them push past that feud, it looks like. Um, Ryback had his push. They tried. He got over as a face, which is cool. You know, people still chant the Feed Me More. He sold some merch. They got a little heat on him. Let's see what he does, you know, against someone else. But wrestling-wise, he can't cut it. Nah, he's, he can't cut it, and that's why he wasn't, and we'll talk about Raw here in a second, that's why he wasn't one of the eight men in that tournament. It's why he wasn't in that final four, because it seems like now, or at least at that Raw, it was about wrestling. Yeah. And they wanted wrestlers, and he's not part of that. Yeah, you know, I'm watching this match, and I'm looking at the spot of this match, and I'm like, okay, this is that match where usually it would be a Divas match, which is the bathroom break. Yes. But... Kevin Owens is like my favorite wrestler on the roster. Um, so I watched it and I was just, I'm watching the match and I'm like, it never really got going. And then when it started to finally pick up, it was over. And I was like, all right, um, I should have took a piss, basically. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's the type of match it was. The Man, pop-up powerbomb wasn't even sold great. Mark nah. Henry sold the pop-up powerbomb better than Ryback. It's, it's Ryback is... Um, as a, as a middling face, he's just not that intriguing. I don't even know kids are sold on the muscle-bound idiot. Um, and then I heard he had like, like some weird interview that I haven't had a chance to listen to or read yet where he's talking about you know the backstage politics. It's like, dude, Ryback, you are a product of the WWE machine. You didn't work the indie scene. You were Skip Sheffield. You were, just, <laughs> you were on Tough Enough. You were in NXT, and you got over because Vince needed a big muscle-bound guy. And now your time is up. It really is, because now Vince is about to get a crop of big muscle-bound guys who can actually wrestle. Yeah, so... And that's what's scary. Uh, I, now Ryback is just looking at Apollo Crews like, damn, yeah, I'm about to be out here. Yeah, so now we move to the main event, which I thought I was... I liked Lesnar and Undertaker. There was a few spots in this match where I felt like Undertaker looked really old, but for the most part, you know... He didn't I, die. He didn't die, and then on top of that... Both of these guys clearly got to blade and draw some color in the match. All right. Was there blading or was there not blading? There was absolutely blading. There's a a video online now uh, where you can actually see Undertaker throw the blade under the mat. There was absolutely blading in this match. And I'm sure (laughs) Vince McMahon didn't give him the thumbs up. And I'm sure he was kind of pissed because there was a press release that came out that said that this is a PG product. Um, Correct. But it's Brock Lesnar and Undertaker. They can do whatever the hell they want. And that's kind of what they did. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was brutal. I'm glad that Lesnar went over semi-clean. The low blow was payback for SummerSlam. 
And it went how it should have went, in my opinion. I thought it was a proper Hell in a Cell match because you needed that intrigue. The only thing weird about this entire feud is it's about a decade ago that these two had a Hell in a Cell at, I believe it was Unforgiven. And had, yeah, 2002. And that's never mentioned. They act like they these matches... They didn't bring never, it up at all. They never, <laughs> they never mentioned their feud from earlier. Chapter 1 starts at WrestleMania. No, Chapter 1 started 10 years ago. But whatever. I thought it was a good send-off for this feud. I'm glad it's over. Um, give your thoughts on the match, and then we'll talk about the Wyatt family carrying Undertaker away, which it, you can't see, but I'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> um, no, I thought the match was better than I anticipated. Once again, it wasn't the best match of the night, but I like that they... To me, they didn't show the 2002 and everything because now it is a PG product. And they didn't want to bring up, like, the bloodiness and all that stuff. And everything that went down in 2002 and revisit that, it's two different characters, really. And it was just a whole different world. Brock was just – that was Brock's first year in the WWE. So it's crazy. And they didn't want to bring that up. But it seems like those two were like, no, we want to bring it back to there. Like, you guys don't want to show it, but we want to bring that same style of product here now. So there was blood. There was the blading. There was Brock ripping the mat apart like a monster, which I've never seen. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even use I thought he was going to put him through the mat, which would have been dope, just through the whole ring. But even just the, the visual of him ripping apart the ring, exposing the <laughs> – like, everyone it, – it's weird because when you watch wrestling, it's like, okay, the ring is just a ring. You can see like behind the scenes stuff and when it gets put together and, you know, it's just plywood and all this stuff, but it looks different. There's kind of just a different aspect in your head. You don't think about them putting it together and what's underneath there. So he exposes everything. It's just like, yo, this shit's crazy. It's like anarchy. It's just a, a real throwback match. Like if anything, the cell was unnecessary in their perfect eyes, that'd be an ECW match in 2000. Well, yeah, I mean, it was... Because they wanted blood. They wanted just to expose the ring. They wanted plywood to put people through the wood. If they could have had barbed wire and a stick on fire, they would have had that shit, too. Yeah, it, you know, there was a couple of things that I thought were great about the match. There was the fact that Brock Lesnar didn't take Undertaker to Suplex City as soon as he got in the ring. He had to work to get his German suplexes in which was a good thing because it's kind of bad when Brock Lesnar just runs in and just starts suplexing everybody. You know, Taker deserves a little bit better than that. He only does this for Taker, by the way. Right. Well, I mean, of course. I mean, there's respect here. These two have respect for each other. Um, everything worked the way I wanted to see it work. Like I said, the, there was a spot where Undertaker did the tombstone. It was supposed to be on the exposed part of the ring, and it wasn't. It was kind of weird that he missed. But... uh you know, and then there was, I think there was another spot where Brock Lesnar was holding the stairs and he kind of waited for Undertaker to kick it in his face. And I was like, all right, whatever. But it, it did what it was supposed to do. Now, that, that feud is over and then the Wyatt family comes out. And during, you know, Undertaker's supposed curtain call, um, and the Wyatt family comes out and Luke Harper, Eric, it's like the whole family's in the mix, which was weird because Luke Harper wasn't on last week and Eric Rowan just kind of popped up and nobody said anything. Yeah, I don't like the way they, they brought Eric Rowan back just without, like, build-up, but whatever. Yeah, so they came in, you know, Braun Strowman. They, they jumped the Undertaker and then carried him to the back. So the first thing I thought was immediately, oh, great, Bray's going to build up another feud just to lose again at Survivor Series. He is going series. to lose, yes. There's, there's no way that this, this feud is going into Survivor Series. Uh, clearly, the Brothers Destruction will be back together with Undertaker and Kane. We got tidbits of that at Raw. 
I don't know who else is going to team up with those two, but we know for a fact that there's no way that Undertaker and Kane are going to lose to the Wyatt family. No, no way at all. I mean, Undertaker's 25th anniversary, they mentioned it like five times during Hell in a Cell at Survivor Series. He's going to win. He's going to pin Bray at the end, and that's how it's going to be. But they are bringing back the traditional Survivor Series mold of 4v4. Which which is great. And, oh, oh, one more thing. As soon as I saw the promo about Undertaker Survivor Series, I knew Brock Lesnar was winning this match. I knew it. Because Brock Lesnar's going to be gone for a while, so he needed to win. If Taker's going to continue to wrestle, losing's not going to hurt him. So as soon as I saw that promo, I was like, oh, Lesnar's going over tonight. He's oh, yeah. Because Taker's yeah, going to be at Survivor Series. So overall, it was a good pay-per-view. It wasn't a great pay-per-view. It summarized a bunch of feuds that, we've been, that have been lingering for the past two to three months. And um, we wanted them gone. Yes, thank you. Um, it was weird to have the, the, the six-man tag at the beginning where Cesaro looked like a million bucks, but he was on the pre-show. But um, it is what it is. So then we roll into Raw, which was probably, in terms of wrestling, one of the best Raws we've seen in a long time, just in terms of wrestling. Because they just let him wrestle. Yeah. Cut out a lot of the stupid promo spots. There wasn't any mention. There was like a, what, three-minute mention of Kane losing his job, and Eight. then it was done. You know, I didn't even know that they mentioned it, and I didn't care. Rollins came out first, and I think he talked about it for a second, and then, boom, it was gone. And then it was a match. Let's start this eight-man tournament thing. And then it was just wrestling after that. There wasn't no stupid promos. I mean, Bray had a promo, which I liked a lot. But, I I mean, I like all of Bray's promos. But him in the ring with just the chair, he can talk. That's what he can do. I mean, he, you just put him in the ring, not too many people can do what Bray does. That was all off the dome, great scripted stuff, talking about The Undertaker again, just like he carried the last few without Undertaker even having to be there. Um, and he built up the intrigue, and then Kane comes out, and, they, you know, we'll talk about that, take Kane away. But the entire match besides that, the entire Raw was wrestling. You're like, shit, I just got three hours of wrestling. And I'm yeah. happy as hell. Like that, if you want three hours, give me three hours of that. Yeah. Well, Don't give me an hour and a half of promos and an hour and a half of wrestling. Okay. So Raw, first of all, never needs to be three hours. The sooner they figure out how to cut the show to two hours, the better for everybody. Um, but in terms of action, yes, it was great. So let's, let's start here. Clearly, we're going into a Seth Rollins-Roman Reigns feud. Um, Clearly. And it was evident from the beginning when they announced that this, this, this little tournament and a, four, a fatal four-way match at the end, everybody knew that Roman Reigns was going to win. But, and I have one problem with the tournament, but continue. Oh, no, go ahead. Give, give me your take on that because then I'll probably feed off of that. The tournament itself, loved the structure, loved everything about it. Alberto Del Rio has a title. So does Kevin Owens, but it is what it is. He did not need to be in that final four at the end. Why wasn't Dean Ambrose in this tournament? Well, because he's the ghost of Dean Ambrose. Like, the ghost of Dean Ambrose who was there just to support Roman Reigns through thick and thin. That's, that's clearly who Dean Ambrose has become. That is horrible because you, you can set up a crazy triple threat already or just plant the seeds for a triple threat. Yeah. Have Dean just in the match. Have Roman mistakenly speared Dean. Something. Well, you know, the, the reason why it's happening, not happening is too soon. I don't think the WWE, I don't think they have any idea what they're doing. They, they probably have an But they idea. pulled the trigger. They pulled the trigger on Reigns versus Rollins. So you can't carry it to WrestleMania anymore. 
which makes me think Super Cena comes back at the Rumble, wins the Rumble, and he faces whoever wins the main event of the Rumble. So yeah. at the main event of the Rumble, you have to press fast forward and have Rollins versus uh, versus Reigns well, at this point. Well, here, here's the thing. All right, so we're going to be engaged in a program that's going to see Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns probably wrestle at Royal Rumble, whatever, what's the de- December, TLC, and then um, Survivor Series. So they'll probably wrestle three matches. Correct. I don't know if that means – I think this is either Rollins keeps the belt until Mania or he drops the belt to Roman Reigns in one of these three matches. He drops it to Reigns at Rumble. Ugh. Well, Because it started at Rumble for Reigns last year. So it comes full circle. No one holds the belt for a year. Comes full circle. He drops it to Reigns at Rumble. Cena wins. Reigns versus Cena at Mania. Cena's going for the record. Yeah, no. And that's it. I I mean, people hate it, but that's it. I I don't want to see that. you got to turn Reigns heel. Dude. Somewhere in between that. I don't want to see any of that happen. First of all, Reigns isn't ready to be a champion. He's not there yet. Um, when is he going to be there? No I, one's ready to be a champion. Nah, That's what everyone says. Nah, it's Triple different. H, HBK. No one's ready to be a champion. No, HBK was ready. Everybody knew when HBK beat Bret Hart, he was ready. Um, Triple H was Triple H. He had a great run. He was kind of ready. Roman Reigns, he's still kind of stale on the mic. I don't know if you know people are completely buying into his face. As a heel, it's a little bit different. I would prefer, which won't happen, I'd prefer to see Rollins carry the title to Mania and actually through Mania. That's what I would like to see happen for once. Oh, then he's pushing CM Punk territory. Well, that's what I'd like to see. Um, if the WWE wants to rinse themselves with the CM Punk title run, then you have Rollins carry this title. Um, but not. But he get... can't be weak for a year and a half. Well, that's no. one hell of a, a weak run. That's, that's true, and that's why I don't, I don't know how the WWE does this. Uh, what I do see with Cena, though, which actually I'm hoping to see, is Cena versus Undertaker at Mania. That's what I want to see because when have they ever wrestled? When do you ever remember these two getting into a match? That's true. But what's the buildup? Like, Undertaker at this point isn't a heel, is he? Like, how do you sell that? I mean... Just legacy versus legacy? Like, uh, one I've of said, those type matches? Kind of. I've said it for a long time that if you ever wanted to turn Cena heel, you would have him break the streak. But now that we've ruined that, eh, I don't know. But I kind of want to see Cena and Taker, and I want to see Taker go over on Cena in his last match. That's what I would wow. like to see. Will it happen? Wishful thinking. But anyway, let's go back to this tournament. Um, well, before we even talk about the tournament, we had, you know, Paige finally turning on Charlotte and, and Becky. And Becky, uh, which was it was like it was like a bunch of kids running around the ring. It like Becky rolling her eyes and Paige. And it's like Charlotte's like completely oblivious to what's going on. It's like, hey, <laughs> you know, Paige, don't screw me over. And it's like, nah, she's going to screw you over. And it's going to yeah. happen now. Um, Clearly. <laughs> whatever. The Bellas went over. I didn't care. Still no Sasha Banks. That's what bothers me. They're, They're doing bass so dirty right now. I, Just, don't know, I don't know when she comes back. I don't, I don't know squash that whole bad thing. Put her in the New Day. At least we'll see her every damn Monday Night Raw, even if she's just part of the New Day acting a fool. And then if she does wrestle, cool. Right. Um, so then we have these four matches for the, in the tournament. There was one thing that I thought was particularly awkward was when Tyler Breeze, who made his debut on SmackDown, which was weird, and then shows up in this, this VIP section with Summer Rae during the, uh, the Dolph Ziggler, Ziggler match. match. I loved it. But Breeze does nothing. He just kind of watches the match. On the selfie stick. He's watching himself. He's not even watching the match. 
Yeah, so we're evidently, That's genius. We're going towards this Dolph Ziggler, Tyler Breeze feud, which I didn't think they pulled the trigger on so early because these guys are very similar in look. Um, I thought they would kind of wait for a while for this to happen, but I guess they need something for Dolph Ziggler to do. So Yeah, and then Summer Rae, like, if she can't have Ziggler, go for someone who looks exactly like Ziggler. It's the classic thing. I mean, it's like on Friends, there was Ross, there was Russ. There's always someone else who looks you, exactly like each other. Hold up. You watch Friends? I am an avid Friends watcher. Mm. Like, I've seen every episode at least 20 times. I have Friends seen it, and I am undefeated. Wow. Little tidbit about me. And Friends mm. is a top five, maybe top three sitcom all time. Oh, wait. You lost your mind. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> no. not. Easily. Easily. Of Up all there time? with Seinfeld. Uh, yeah. All time. No. 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 Easily. No, it's it, it wasn't better than The Office during this great run. Uh, better than The Office. Because they have similar dynamics of there's multiple main characters. Like when you have six main characters to make the dynamics work, it's incredible. Wow. And The Office had a myriad of main characters. Friends did it better. Wow. Um, I don't know what to say, Kel, but you're, <laughs> you're crazy. Like I don't even think like Friends is not better than Modern Family, but no. What? No. Oh, you're just disrespecting friends. Yes, I am. And I'll take that. Moving, move, let's go back to this. <laughs> I can't, I can't with you. Last week was the, the games, documentaries better than Kendrick Lamar. This friends week is, is top three, though. Like, there's very little debate to that. Well, amongst It two. may not be your cup of tea. It is top three sitcoms all time. It's, Numbers don't lie at that point. Dude, it was, it's better than the Cosby show? Better than a Cosby show. Hell yeah, it's better than a Cosby show. Kale, you're out. You, like, man. I even like the Cosby show like that. What? I did it. It's oh, cool. Okay. I like Different World better than a Cosby show. And I was about to say, you're going to say Friends was better than a Different World? A Different World was just so dope. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's, a, that's tough because, yeah, a Different World, I don't even know if I put it in, like, the normal genre of sitcoms. Yeah. That's just a whole different joint. Uh, whew. All right. Um, that made me want to go to historically black college. Christ. And the college wasn't even real. No, I mean, me too, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, different world. Two things made me want to go to Morehouse was where I ended up. It was a different world and Boys in the Hood. That was, and, and, and Outcast. See? <laughs> I, and, and, and Outcast. And Outcast. Like, I always wanted to go to Atlanta because of Outcast. Um, Trey from Boys in the Hood said he was going to go to Morehouse, which is all men's college, and I thought that was kind of cool because I was a young black man. I wanted to know what it's like growing up amongst other young black men. And Outcast was amazing. And then Different World because I was like, wow, this can happen on a black house campus. Anyway, I think we went way off the beaten path. Way off the path. <laughs> Bring I, it back. Yes. Uh, so let's. So Cesaro loses. Prince the, Pretty. Oh, we were talking about Prince Pretty. Yeah, but I'm done talking about Prince Pretty because we'll see what happens with that feud. Uh, it's going to be a good feud. Tyler Breeze has to prove he can wrestle because Dolph Ziggler, we know, can wrestle. And right. uh, Tyler Breeze had great, great matches in NXT. He just was down there for so damn long that he became the jobber. Yeah. So now he can prove once again his talent. So it's going to be good. True, true. So we get to this tournament, which I was much to the chagrin of me watching Cesaro have to lose to Kevin Owens. But we got to this tournament, which had a very uh, – there was a particular moment where I was like – you have your money right there. When Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns were the last two standing in the ring towards the end of that match, and the crowd popped, mm -hmm. dude, 
Kevin Owens is your guy. And Owens let him in? Like, yeah, come on. Like, it's all... Like, you, they can see it. Whoever came up with that final spot where Kevin Owens went for the pop-up powerbomb and Rowan Reigns did the Superman punch, and my money's going to be on Kevin Owens coming up with that spot, but whatever. That, in itself, set up a few that could last for year for well, not years, that can last for a long time because of how over Kevin Owens is. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's a few that can go on and off, and you won't get tired of it. Yeah. It's kind of like when you see Ambrose and Rollins. Like, if you ever need to just cover some space, three or four months, throw Ambrose and Rollins into a few. Yeah. Because so- it's going to be magic. And these guys can do the same because it's the muscle-bound, everything you want in a championship-looking guy who can't talk versus the fat chubby, shouldn't be in the ring, shouldn't be able to go, guy who can talk. Man, uh, Kevin, and Kevin knows it so good, like how, how he was talking to Michael Cole, like, hey, Michael, watch this, like, <laughs> <laughs> yo, he, he's just, he's, um, he's just too good of a talent to waste, and I'm glad. He's, he's one of the guys that were built for the WWE, well, like, the indie stuff taught him how to wrestle, and it taught him his incredible moveset, and it's the reason why he can go and pull off all of these things, and look so great as a wrestler. But mind-wise and mouth-wise, he was built for the WWE. Well, yeah. His, his performance act was built for him. He, like, he was the indie film guy who should have been nominated for an Oscar a long time ago because yes, he's which that good. breaks my heart because we won't get to see other guys like the Young Bucks who were built for the WWE. They're not built for the WWE. They're absolutely not. I, I'm going to have to Oh, their show? Their stage show? Super Kick Party? And nah. All the joking and laughing? Them versus New Day, I would watch tomorrow. From now to WrestleMania. Look. That feud could go on. I'm gonna explain this to you now. First of all, because we're, we're not gonna see it. Young Bucks just signed a, a contract with ROH where they get to compete at PWG and they'll stay in New Japan as well. Good for them. Um, the problem with the Bucks is one, they don't have the body type for the, for the main roster to be a tag team. Two, their move set. But Owens has one to be an Intercontinental Champion. Owens is a little bit different, and it, here's the problem because. Owens, he's, you know, fat guys are a little bit different than kind of skinny guys who aren't very buff that look like they can be your everyday guy. The Young Bucks rely on a lot of spots, and they rely on a lot of big moves that the WWE would never allow them to really do. I don't think the Young Bucks can wrestle a traditional WWE-style tag team match. And because if they go over with the moves that they do in the indies, they would have to win it just about every match. The other problem is the, the super kick that they use is such a big is such a big move on the main roster. They use it kind of arbitrarily in the indie scene. I don't think we'd have a super kick party. Like I don't think teams would be willing to put the Young Bucks over. I just I as much as I like the Young Bucks, I don't think cuz they'd have to lose and watching them lose to the Usos would just piss me off. But they lose a ton in the indies. But they would they lose great matches in the indies. They lo- lo- lose matches that are full of oh wow spots. And you that's what you don't have that. wanted from the main roster all this time. And yeah. now we're getting singles wrestlers who can do that. And then you'd be like, okay, if Owen's got to lose, at least he loses Cesaro, who's one hell of a wrestler. And then there's a ton of singles wrestlers. We'd be like, okay, it was a great match. They lost. Him and Cena. Okay, it was a great match. Cena's one of Cena's best matches in years. Cool. Owens can lose. Nah. Same thing has to be for the tag team division. That's where they have to get it. That's where they have to get it. They have to grow it. And the Divas division. They have to do what they did with the men's singles division with all of them. And you only do that by bringing in talented people. So why keep trying to con- 
just throw homegrown talent into random tag teams when you can go out and get indie tag teams. This is, that's not how the WWE functions. Not yet. I mean, you have your tradition of the Usos. They're a tag team. They're brothers. They're going to continue to be a tag team. Correct. But you look at the rest of the roster where they're kind of thrown together. Like, hopefully, you know, the Vaude villains will move up. But I'm just saying the Young Bucks style is not conducive. Of and Cass and Enzo is going to move up. Well, yeah. I'd be surprised if they don't move up next three months. But see, like, the Young Bucks would have so much heat. I think they would have a ton of heat on them in the locker room for being who they are. Yeah, no one would like them in the locker room. But they have their boys there now. They have Finn. They have Owens. You can't. It'd be the click again because you would hate them. But the best wrestlers in two years, Owens will have the IC title still again, probably. He'll be on his second or third run as Intercontinental Champion. Finn will be the WWE Champion, and they could have been the tag team champions. Yeah, I just I the way the WWE books their matches and the way everything is handled, I just don't see the Young Bucks ever having a legit run as a tag team in the WWE. I feel like they would they would be over when they came, but I just don't think that the the move set, the way they set up their the way they book their matches, which is very fast paced. It's not a TV style match in the tradition of the WWE style. I just don't think slowing down the Young Bucks and kind of Grounding them is what the WWE would do would be beneficial to their careers. They're See, just... and I think, I think Triple H is changing that. That's where I think Triple H sees indies and says, I can change the main roster perception okay, of but... what wrestling is. Slowly, but I'm going to plug them into NXT, going to let them build. I'm going to let them do their indie stuff in NXT and see the pop from it. And Vince can't ignore that. Well, Vince still books that main roster. And he does. And so, then Triple H, I swear to God, Triple H stands next to him every Sunday before Raw and goes, I'm telling you it's going to work. And he's going to be like, no, no, get out of here, kid. And he's going to be like, just try it. And he gets one idea every Raw. And, and the shit pops. But I'm saying, like, I agree with you. I, I agree that Triple H has the vision. I agree that if they, if they did what they were supposed to do, I just think right now is not the right time for the Young Bucks. Not yet. And thank God they're not too old. They got a couple contracts in them. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, I kind of enjoy seeing them on these indie scenes. Like, I, I kind of, being that selfish underground hip-hop guy that doesn't want to <laughs> see you sign to a major label, because I don't want them to ruin what you already have been able to do. You know, I just, I, like I said, I, Vince has always been big on body types, and the Young Bucks look like two teenagers who kind of drank a lot of liquor when they were 18. And, Very true. You but know, Vince got talked into Samoa Joe. Yeah, and well, Samoa Joe, to be fair, looks better now than he has in at least a decade. Because he's been actually working out, it looks like, in a performance center. His man boobs have gone down at least threefold. Yeah. Samoa Joe's just another story. I I, kind of feel like he's being wasted. Um, You don't read the dirt sheets, though, so continue. Uh, I know what's happening. You know, somebody like some, and this is what I hate about NXT pre recording the shows. Somebody (laughs) always spoils what happens. I know, Joe. If you don't read the dirt sheets, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Hit mute, hit pause, but you know the Joe Finn Balor feud is coming. Um, yes, it is, and, just, and I am ecstatic. I am too, as long as they use Joe correctly. Uh, I feel like Joe and just, Apollo Cruz might be in there because it happened during the match and kind of like cost him the match. Unless they spin it off with Rhino once again. Read the dirt sheets if you don't. If you don't, just wait for the next two weeks of NXT. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see. But anyway. Um, I've completely lost what we were talking about. We were talking about the Bucks, but what the hell were we talking about before that? We got to get into this eight-man tournament. We're just talking about great wrestling. Eight-man tournament. So that happens. Um, what? So we get four good matches throughout the night, and then we get the main event. 
uh, we talked about Reigns and um, and Owens being the last two in the main event. That was a huge pop. That feud can go on if the WWE wanted it to, but they don't. Reigns is going to get Rollins. So now who's left for Kevin Owens? Uh, and therein lies my problem. I don't know who who Kevin Owens is going to wrestle feud with going into Survivor Series. I don't know if he's going to be defending the title. I don't know if he'll end up jumping into a traditional Survivor Series type tag match. I, I just don't know what they're doing with him. Hopefully, they just keep Ryback far, far away from him. Um, yeah, no, they Ryback can't go. Ziggler is obviously out of that equation. They need someone to feud with Del Rio, in which I don't know who that's going to be. But I wouldn't mind it being Rusev. Uh, um, spoiler alert, Rusev tore his bicep. Oh. Yeah. From what I've heard, he tore his bicep on SmackDown this week. Well, look at that. That's, a, <laughs> that's an injury. You know who, who needs a real push who's just never going to get one? Wade Barrett. Oh, nah, come on. <laughs> he, nah. Like, dude, you win the King of the Ring and then you're just kind of toiling in obscurity. Then you're yeah. like... You're the the bullhammer is so trash. It's, there's things that they could have been doing. Like, Wade Barrett and Sheamus are a great tag team. Like, that, as, as far as, like, the international thing goes and the overseas thing, like, those two as a tag team would be fun to watch. I, oh, yeah. Just, I don't know what they're doing with those guys. Um, but all in all, what, Raw was a good show. Uh, I mean, Sami Zayn has to come back sooner or later. Well, if they put Owens into a traditional match and it's like team owens versus whoever or if he's just part of someone's team for survivor series in a four-way that's cool but then tlc i need Sami Zayn to come back well too soon i don't think they're gonna bring Sami Zayn to the main well you know what my thoughts are i've, I've said it before i'll say it again Sami Zayn comes back ruins owens at the royal rumble and they they go into a ladder match at wrestlemania perfect that's all i want to see um but, yeah, all in all, Raw was a great show. Um, well, great in terms of wrestling. Hopefully they can build off the momentum because the last few Raws have been pretty trash. Yes. And, uh, I, corporate Kane is out of the picture for now. Big Show is out of the picture for now. I don't have to see Mark Henry in any storyline. Hey, I'm hey, happy. Wait, wait, wait. What if, <laughs> what if Big Show and Mark Henry end up teaming with Undertaker and Kane against the Wyatts? I would cry real oh, the tears. <laughs> Listen, I believe that shit <laughs> right now. Hey, just give me uh, two people who aren't doing anything. Uh, big guys. Big guys. I want, I want a whole team of big guys. That's Vince. Who, who's the biggest guys? Oh, well, we got this guy called the Big Show. Big, yeah, Big Show. Throw him in there. Have the Wyatts carry him out. That's a lot. A- Anyone else big? Who, who do they look good carrying out of the ring? Oh, well, Mark Henry is like 400 pounds. Throw him in there, too. <laughs> and then they just carry big ass people out of the ring every week. Where do they go? Like where where do they where do they put all these guys? Like the Wyatts? Yeah, the Wyatts. They've kidnapped the Undertaker and Kane. Where do they put them? Uh, they go to the woods. You got to follow the buzzards, man. And then what? Do, do they find their way out of the woods to to really kick off this feud? I'm trying to understand where we're going with this. I don't know. It's all green screen. Have, have them all in in a in a shack. Mm. Okay. All right. Have well, that... someone come save them. Oh, final bring thought. Back, bring back someone dope. Final thought on, on Raw and feuds and everything else before we move on to our next, take a little break and move on to our next segment. Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, how about we book that feud? Oh, amazing. Book that today. Like, I, I'm down for that. But then again, it's like two heels? Dean Ambrose, Ambrose doesn't even have a category. I mean, Ambrose, that's why Ambrose and Owens would be an excellent feud. Because you don't know who to root for, who to not root for. Ambrose would hate 
Kevin Owens with everything in the book. That's a match I would love to see at TLC. So why don't we get them started now? That'd be perfect. Okay. They, um, this is why they should listen to our podcast. Yeah. We need to send Vince a link. Yeah, just true. Spam him. <laughs> Before we head into the break, I just got my copy of WWE 2K16. Um, and fun fact, I pre-ordered that in Halo 5, and I have not opened Halo 5 yet. I will be the exact opposite when I get mine on Friday because I get paid like a normal human being. And I'm going to pick up both. I will play Halo first, but 2K16 seems dope. Oh, well, let me say let me say this. For anybody who's been hesitant to pick up 2K16, I understand. I have this thing with wrestling games that they're fun for like a few weeks and they, they tire me out because it's too easy to win. The, 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 the pacing of the game is a lot better where you can't just spam reversals. Um, I've lost a few matches because I ran out of reversals and I got caught up. Uh, <laughs> it, there's, a, there's a method to the madness. The, the, the showcase system with uh, the thing with uh, Stone Cold is gr- it's cool. Um, if you're still stuck on the nostalgia thing, like I played a little bit of that. Uh, I've been really playing universe mode because they have like 150 wrestlers. So like my, I'm booking like my own personal Raws and Smackdowns and I'm like, dude, like I got like Ravishing Rick Rude going up against Roman Reigns. Like I'm loving the, <laughs> how many people that you can put in here. Cause last year's roster with 25 wrestlers was terrible. Yeah. Um, but this year's it's the graphics are good. The hair is still weird. Like I don't know if next gen is ever going to understand how to, you know, perfectly have people with long hair without looking like spaghetti. No, um, they can't do it. I mean, you even look at NBA 2K16. Like, they just haven't mastered it yet. No, they haven't. And NBA 2K16 is amazing, by the way. Um, but WWE 2K16, so far, so good. I haven't gotten to my career mode yet. but uh, like You always start those late. You don't even play that in NBA 2K16, nah, do you? No, nah, I just play a franchise. I, I can't play, like, those those single-mode things. Like, I, I, those are the best parts. Nah, I'm good. Like, I, I like my things to be close to reality. Like, I trade in real time. Like, I do everything in real time. I, I emulate a season as much as I can. Real-time injuries, everything. Um, I just, I've never been into those single-player modes like my career. That's just not me. Once again, the old man in you comes out. Uh, whatever. Gotta gotta love the new fangled features, man. Get get on board. Nah. And okay. before we go to the break, we haven't talked about WWE Breaking Ground. Oh yes, Breaking Ground. Everything that Tough Enough should should have been in the first place. Yep. Just highlight the people you bring in. Already talented people. Some people who are just taking flyers on show the different dynamics of the WWE Training Center, and it came off perfectly. Yeah. I mean, you have a champion. You have possibly a future champion in Apollo Crews. You have Baron Corbin, who's like a, a guy who's frustrated with his role. A douchebag. Dude, he came off like the ultimate douchebag on the show, and I, I love that he came out like a dick. I love it, because he's a heel anyway. Yep. Fuck it. He's like, don't like me. And then you have uh, Piscatelli. Concussion right? man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? His name used to be Savvy. I don't know where they get Tino. Uh, but when he was drafted to the NFL for the Bucks, his name was Savvy Piscatelli. I remember him getting drafted. Um, my boy Drew, like, thought he was going to be the next big thing at safety. So he's now in the WWE training center. He has a concussion, but it looks like he's sticking around. Um, they have the little Indian chick. What's her name? Noose? Noosa? Noose? Noosey? I don't know. I can't remember. She's, like, 19. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with her necessarily. She can't really wrestle. She's kind of cute, but uh, middling cute. I don't know. Yeah, she'll probably like, she'll either linger and quit. 
or she'll be here for the long haul, like Eva Marie. Yeah, they need someone to quit. They have the microphone chick who is trying to be a wrestler. There's just a whole bunch of dynamics that are pretty cool on the show so far. I really like that we're getting into the performance center. We're talking about how guys take bumps. We're talking about, you know, the little things of, I thought it was good when they showed everybody setting up the mat. Now, I don't know if this was on purpose due to editing, but like Baron Corbin's back there eating a sandwich and Mojo Raleigh walks back in there. is like, dude, bro, good sandwich. And he's like messing with him and Baron's like looking all pissy. Yeah. I don't know if that was Baron just kind of avoiding participating in, you know, putting the, the ring together for the match, which was interesting because you don't see, like, Finn Balor or Samoa Joe or any of those guys setting up the ring. They're, they're way past that. Yeah, they're like, no, we're not doing that. They're like, oh, we got to pay our dues. No, those guys don't. Yeah, the dues have been paid. Um, <laughs> but you know, Was like, Apollo putting together the ring? I sincerely doubt it. But, he's, you know, he's one of the guys. I, I look at uh, Apollo Crews as one of the guys. Um, I love that they're kind of telling his story, uh, you know, being his, his dad finally enjoying what he does. Like, there's just a lot of stuff with Breaking Ground. I'm, I'm glad that they're doing this. I find it weird that they just announced that, like, the entire Tough Enough cast basically has just been signed to WWE and probably will be appearing at some point on Breaking Ground, which will disgust me, including ZZ. Ugh. But, oh, the whole Tough Enough cast get a trial? Uh, not the whole Tough. Like, Patrick got signed. Like, Sarah, I believe, got the signed. The black dude is back. Yeah, yeah, the black Good. dude is back. I like that kid. Yeah. He has some potential. I just don't want them to, to dilute the the breaking ground of NXT with their tough enough stuff. Like, <laughs> don't keep, ruin it. Yeah, keep your tough enough stuff over there. Um, no, there is like this six foot nine guy who came from the Vikings. Um, I finally, like, one of his matches came out online. Um, he debuted a couple weeks ago on like a dark match on NXT. This kid looks like he is the truth. He came in with Apollo Crews in that class. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I know he, what you're talking about. Yeah, he looks like the real deal. He's he's like a he's the Siberian Superman. I don't know. So he's Siberian. Six foot nine, ripped. It's crazy. Well hopefully he turns out to be something and not like Matt Morgan or uh uh I can't remember the other guy's name who was tag team with Undertaker at WrestleMania and they pulled him because he sucked. Oh, yeah, no, no. This kid looks like he is truth. Uh, I checked out his Instagram. All his friends are Siberian and Russian MMA fighters. Hmm. And, like, he does that on his spare time. Okay. Well, <laughs> like, you got to check this kid out. It's crazy. I was looking. I was like, damn. And they put him in, like, an MMA outfit for his first couple matches. They dropped that. They gave him, like, traditional wrestling gear. But it's, it's going to be interesting how they use it. Okay. Well, cool. So we just spent an hour talking about wrestling. There's going to be our listeners who are like, where the hell is the boxing MMA stuff? But we're going to take a quick break, come right back. We're going to talk about Terrence Crawford, Manny Pacquiao, Ronda Rousey, John Jones being reinstated. So stick with us. We'll be right back. What up, loudspeaker family? What's up? It's your man, Ice-T. And I'm the co-host, Mick Benzo. And we're here to tell you that if you love podcasts like the Combat Jack Show, the Taxi, the Brilliant Idiots, Fan Bros in the Corner, yeah, then you're definitely going to want to check out our podcast, The Final Level Podcast. The Final Level Podcast is where you're going to get to talk about the latest movies, games, TV shows, and sports, but delivered from two OGs who give less than zero fucks about how you feel. We don't hold shit back on this podcast. It's, it's the, the hardest, hardest podcast, podcast on earth. On iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, which is real close to Snitcher, but it ain't. And YouTube, right here on the Loudspeaker Network, the number one podcast network on earth. Church. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, 
I'm glad that you guys stuck with us through the wrestling talk. I think it's hilarious that we got a lot of tweets last week that the show was too short. Um, but yeah, we spent an hour talking about wrestling. Now you got to deal with us talking about MMA and boxing. Who knew people wanted to listen to us talk for two hours every week? Dog, I like to talk. So if you like to listen, then I'm just going to continue talking. Word um, up. <laughs> well, before we get into that, I do want to kind of go off the beaten path a little bit and talk about which we, what we didn't talk about last week was the Star Wars trailer debuting. And this contingency of people that were pissed off to see my, my man John Boyega in playing Finn, who's apparently going to be a Jedi of some sort and, and wielding a lightsaber, and people were pissed off that he's a main character. What were your thoughts on this, Kel? Um, One, I loved his reaction to seeing the trailer when he's, like, on his couch with his boy and, like, he just wilds out. That was great. Um, and other people, I, I don't know. I'm not overly into Star Wars. I appreciate it. I like it. I can sit down. But I'm not like one of the people who dresses up and goes to conventions. I'm not like I am with Harry Potter necessarily. So I'm not like in it, in it Wait, like that. you like that with Harry Potter? Oh, yeah. Once again, why are we revealing so much about me? Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> I am like super into Harry Potter. Like I would wear the robe. Um, if I have to have a house, I'm slithering. It is what it is. Wand, all that good stuff. Wow. Yes, I can tell you layers and layers and layers into Harry Potter. I can tell you the reason people are named, why they are named, and they're Latin-based. That's how deep it is. So, I digress. Going back to Star Wars, <laughs> I can see how people hold like <laughs> it dear to their hearts, but it makes no sense. Like They're a green Jedi. They're a blue Jedi. Yoda is four foot tall, and he's a Jedi. You can't have a black man as a Jedi. Like, one guy killed himself. <laughs> it's has gotten out of control. Like, it's okay. He's just a black man. And FYI, Darth Vader's voice was black. For all purposes, Darth Vader was black. Yes, James Earl Jones was black. So here's the thing. All right, first of all, John Boyega is an excellent actor. If you've seen Attack the Block, he was phenomenal in that. There was another movie I saw at Sundance two years ago called Imperial Dreams with him and my man Rotimi who plays Dre on Power. Uh, which is probably going to come out in theaters after Star Wars drops, so they can piggyback off of Boyega's performance in Star Wars. He is phenomenal in that movie. But he's not even from the States. He's from overseas. He's, got, he's like the Idris Elba, heavy British accent. He's not your typical African-American dude. And, but just, just So you're all, saying he's going to be the next James Bond, and people are really going to lose their shit and that's like when 15 years. It's, it's John Boyega's going to be that next guy. Because when you see his performance, if you watch, go back and watch Attack the Block, I don't think it's on Netflix, but you have to find it somewhere. And then you see Star Wars, which I figure he's going to be phenomenal in. And then Imperial Dreams, which he is incredibly good in. You're gonna, people are going to look at the nuances to and say he's great. And I hope people will apologize for trying to boycott Star Wars because there's a black dude playing the role. Which also leads me into like this week after I get done with the show, I'm actually going to the comic book store to pick up the rest of these hip-hop variant covers. And I've seen like this crazy backlash on people not appreciating these hip-hop variant covers. Have you, I know you've seen them, Kel. I've seen the covers. Um, shout out to Dope Boys. Shake everybody over there. They always keep me updated on all of the new ones. So I think they're all dope. And actually, we saw Combat Jack get a whole bunch of uh, album covers, like him on album covers. We're looking to do the same. Yeah. And pick out a few albums and post those to Twitter. So it's, it's cool to see different genres blend and mesh. So I don't know why they'd get outraged at all. I don't understand. It's like it's not even just a hip hop influence. It's just a black influence on things that were typically white and primarily Caucasian, as soon as you see a couple minority faces, some people just freak out. 
And That's like, so stupid, though. It is. It's really Because dumb. Marvel, if anything, was completely for the advancement of minorities. They were always socially conscious. I and mean, DC for that. Like, the entire X-Men comics are based off of the oppression of minorities and overcoming that. It like, it's true. It makes no sense. There is a guy called the Black Panther. Right. There's tons of stuff. They have never been, I guess, shy about touching the race card or any type of card, religious card, anything. So to blend those two genres, like, so, just because it's hip-hop now, now it can't be hip-hop. There's something wrong with hip-hop. Like, come on. It's what they do. It's crazy. Because, I mean, like, I interviewed Axel Alonzo for Two Doughboys, who's the editor-in-chief at Marvel. And we, we talked in depth about the hip-hop covers and how they came about because there's hip-hop heads over there. And we talked about, you know, this prevailing thought that minorities aren't actually working behind the scenes. And, that, you know, they're trying to look to get more black illustrators. Now, if you talk to black people, this is a whole completely different tangent because I'm a nerd like this. But if you talk about African-Americans in terms of creating comic books, it is an uphill battle that we continue to climb. But... We're permeating into the industry more and more. But we can't, there can't be any progression if you're going to have pushback on shit like Star Wars and to see the Spider-Man cover remade like Nas is Illmatic. Like, you can't have pushback on that. Grow up, get over it. Your comics aren't necessarily changing. I mean, you have a woman in store. There's a woman Wolverine. Miles is Spider-Man. Deal with it. Shut the fuck up and move on. There's enough people that are still going to buy it. There's enough people that are still going to watch Star Wars that those stupid people in the minority that are complaining are mute anyway because yeah. they're not going to hurt the sales well, in the long run. Dude, ain't nobody really boycotting Star Wars. When that shit not. Theaters, it, woo, their but. tickets are already sold out. They started selling like last week. Yeah, I'm going to see You can't it. watch it until like four days after it comes out. No, I'm, I'm going stupid. to see it. Like when the Phantom Menace came out, like my pops woke me up at three in the morning for a screening. <laughs> on a school night. Like, I was like, I think my pops took me to see that too. Dude. It was downtown. Ugh. It was like Magic Johnson Theater in Harlem. We <laughs> went to it. Yo, no lie. And it might have been at like 9 a.m. Dude, I saw it. It was three. me, my pops, and my boy Ray, who has been on the podcast, Ray P. And uh, we had to be like 10. And uh, it was, yeah, it was like 12 or something. It's just like, yo, come on, we're going to go watch that movie. Yeah, my pops totally disrespected me. He's like, come on, son. And I was like, it's 3 in the morning. I got to go to school tomorrow. And he was like, nope. And we watched Phantom Menace. So nobody's going to really boycott it. Be pissed if you want to, but this is the way it goes. All right. That's enough. That's my little nerd rant of the day. Um, <laughs> One of the many on today's show. Yeah. People Kel- are getting real insight into our character. Yeah, Kelly, you're really showing your true colors. You love Friends and you love Harry Potter. That is true. Um, that is amazing. I will not shy away from either of those. All right, so let's talk boxing. This week, Terrence Crawford, who's on a lot of people's pound-for-pound pound list in the lower half, completely, <laughs> completely destroyed Derry Jean and put himself in position to possibly land the Manny Pacquiao fight. Did you watch the Terrence Crawford fight? I watched the Crawford fight. Thoughts? One, I expected that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why people are up in arms. I think Crawford's a magnificent fighter. I think he's stuck on the wrong side of things, and the best people, obviously, in his weight class are on the Heyman side of things. So, putting him on any pound-for-pound list or anything like that, I have reservations about, because he's not going to fight the best of the best young fighters in his class. Now, him earning the Pacquiao fight, there's only so many people Pacquiao can fight, because once again, at 147, even... Going into the 154 range, 140, that whole 14 pounds right there. There's only so many people you can fight 
being an HBO guy. Which is why we see Bradley Pacquiao several times. Which is why we saw Bradley Marquez. Which is why we saw Marquez Pacquiao. It's just a revolving door. And Crawford's now going to get sucked into that same stupid revolving door. So we'll see either him versus Bradley soon. Or we'll see him versus Pacquiao. There's only so many options. Okay. So I don't have the same reservations you have. Because if you look at the 140 division right now. Victor Postal is at the top of that division. That is a fight Terrence Crawford can have. Ruslan Pavadnikov is a fight that Terrence Crawford can a fighter that he can face, which would be at 147. Right, which, I, which Terrence Crawford doesn't mind bumping to 147. No, not at all. Um, you know, there's Tim Bradley who Terrence Crawford can fight. There is Jesse Vargas. There, there are a lot of people for Terrence Crawford to fight. It's just not your names like Keith Thurman. I was Sean. about to say Jesse Vargas isn't moving the needle for him. No, he's not. But I'm saying that there's there's fights out there for Terrence Crawford to prove himself and. He's, he's another person who's kind of in the Gennady Golovkin position where he's dominating his competition and people are saying, well, who has he fought? But if you look at him and you look at the things that he does in the ring, he is pound for pound quality. Like, I think he destroys Adrian Broner. Broner doesn't have a shot in hell against Terrence Crawford. Oh, God, no. I would love to see that fight, though. <laughs> you know, I'd love to see it, too. I, I think Terrence Crawford gives a lot of people problems. Um, does he get the, the Manny Pacquiao fight, though? No. And the reason why is it's too dangerous for Bob Arum to put his rising star and his guy who's definitely retiring in his next fight in the ring together. You don't want to see Pacquiao lose his last fight, but you don't want to see your rising star get bucked by Manny Pacquiao either. Yeah, so, but you, people want to see him get a marquee fight. But it's and that's what they're clamoring for. Now. But that's Should the problem. Bradley and just say... Absolutely not. Nobody wants to see Pacquiao-Bradley 3. Nobody. Nobody. No, no. I mean, not Pacquiao-Crawford. Oh, but th- that's the problem. Like, Crawford's not a big enough name. I don't think Crawford moves a pay-per-view needle. He's not there yet. I mean, who is Bradley fighting on the 7th? We're going to see that fight. He's fighting Rios. Right. We've seen the best of Rios. And that, but that doesn't move. That's why the Pacquiao-Amir Khan fight has to happen. That, that is the best possible business match, uh, unless you somehow drag Marquez out of retirement with his bad knees. There, there is really, for me, I would love to see Pacquiao Crawford. I think that is an excellent fight on so many levels. The, it's, it's the passing of the torch type of fight. It is a switch hitter against a guy who's completely awkward, where styles make fights that can be explosive. But I don't think that... I think Crawford watches that Mayweather film and picks Pacquiao apart. And, and but see, that's very possible. I just don't think, as far as business is concerned, Terrence Crawford is the guy that you put Manny Pacquiao in your last fight with. Correct. Because so he can lose. <laughs> but, I mean, at this point, Manny's lost. Like, he's no longer the crown jewel. You've made all the money you can get out of him. And Aram, business-wise, literally has made all the money he can get out of him. So throw him to the young buck and build your young buck and use the next guy. But what if I he beats that's Crawford? The that's, the, that's the problem. If he, be, if he were to beat Terrence Crawford, which is not completely out of the realm of reality. No. If he that hurts, that hurts Crawford's stock immensely. See, well, was Canelo hurt by losing to Mayweather? Big difference. Pacquiao didn't, it, Mayweather wasn't coming off of a bum-ass fight. Like Pacquiao, <laughs> Pacquiao looked terrible against Mayweather. Sell the injury. So the thing is, is that Pacquiao needs to bounce back, and he needs a bounce-back name. He, like, people aren't really willing to throw a bunch of money to watch Manny Pacquiao fight again. Against Amir Khan, that's a fight, you know, you got the U.K. audience. There's a lot of things going for you there. Um, but against Terrence Crawford, the business aspect of it, it doesn't sell. And that's unfortunate because that's a fight I want to see, but I just don't think they're going to go that route. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, it'd be a great fight for us to watch. It'd 
be here in Vegas and couldn't see that being in Macau. Oh, no, it's the Pacquiao's final fight is definitely in Vegas. It's so, Aaron's pretty much called it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm down with it. Whoever he fights will be there, and I'll watch it. And I'm still of the opinion Pacquiao is top three at 147, especially a healthy Pacquiao. I don't know if the injury made a difference against Mayweather necessarily. I think he was going to lose anyway. Right. But against everyone else, yes, a healthy Pacquiao is still top three. Yeah. So you still have to step in the ring and beat him because he's not a joke. He shot a jump shot the other day. He looked perfectly fucking fine. Yeah. I mean, so he's going to be healthy. Just, just give me Pacquiao and Amir Khan. Like, Amir Khan's been burned so many times by Mayweather. He's been, he's been begging for a big fight. Give him this big fight. Give it to him. If he gets his ass beat, then he gets his ass beat. But he finally got the fight in the paycheck that I think at this point, Amir Khan may actually deserve a big fight. Wow. You well, know? he's better. This is the fight. Right now, Pacquiao's the guy to fight because you get that W on your resume. It carries you because there's not another huge name. Yeah, and I mean, and Khan and Pacquiao sparred together. Roach was Khan's trainer. There's, there's a lot of underlying stories there. For the record, I think that Pacquiao beats Khan. I, I think he may knock him out um, in his last fight. But, you know, you never know. I think that fight has a lot of intrigue. Uh, hopefully they make that fight happen. And talking about another fight that looks like it's going to happen and beneficial to us is Thurman versus Porter. We talked about it a little bit on past podcasts. Now it seems as though they're moving from the December 12th date into early 2016. My guess is January 9th or the 16th. And they want it right here in Vegas. Um, I'm not surprised by this move. Uh, I, I texted Kenny Porter the other day. I didn't get a, a call back. I, so I don't know if it's, uh, if it's done or if they're on the verge of getting it done. Obviously, this fight needs to happen. Vegas, I'm fine with that. Um, mid, middle 2016, January, that's cool. Uh, we just want this fight to happen at this point. Um, December 12th, it had to move off of that date. Too much UFC, too short a time to build that fight. Uh, you need some extra time. So January is a perfect date. Mid-June. Yeah, and it looks like a, it'll be a PBC on NBC card, so it's free television. Well, it might be on um, Fox. I heard it might be on Fox. You know, they're making the move to, to, I think they're doing four or five cards on Fox this year. So that'd be perfect for Fox. Wow, amazing. Great way to start it off. Um, and you need, like, these marquee fights. It's a huge fight for both of them. It's still early. Obviously, it's not signed. But who would be your early favorite in that fight? Like, right now, our opinions can change. Obviously, we're going to see them spar. We're going to interview them probably three or four times each before the fight. Right now, who do you think wins that? Right now, I'm leaning towards Sean Porter because I, I haven't been in... I, I love Keith Thurman, but his last couple fights, he's been hit far too much. Colazzo hurting him with a body shot um, was one thing, which I, I told everybody from the beginning that Colazzo is going to give Keith Thurman problems. And Guerrero, he got hit way too much. Sean Porter's looked very impressive in his last few fights. His style is something that I don't know if Keith can, can get used to. Thurman's the constant like, pressure? Yeah, and, and Porter's like a, a line. Uh, he's like a fullback as a boxer. He's <laughs> going to keep coming at you. So right now I think Porter can beat Keith Thurman on points um, because he, I think he's going to land more punches. That may change after I get a good look at Keith and see how everything's turning out, but my, I'm leaning towards Sean Porter in that fight. See, to me, I, I still take Keith only because – I think he still has that knockout power. I mean, when you retreat against Sean Porter, he is going to beat you because he has no off switch, which makes him great at what he does. But we saw a fighter like Kell Brook who says, 
I have offense too. My offense is different, but I have offense too. And then we saw it with Broner, who finally showed that he let his hands go in the 12th and woke up and noticed that he was losing a fight and said, I have offense too, and you can stop Sean in his tracks. Broner put Sean down because Sean is so aggressive that he will leave himself open. So I think if Keith turns it on and says, I am one time, I have offense, I am not Floyd Mayweather, I do not need to be the upper echelon of technical fighters, let me go in here and show him my offense versus his offense, I think he wins the fight. You know, it's, it's, that's all reasonable. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with what you just said. Um, the Kell Brook fight was interesting, though, because if you go back and watch it, Kell Brook held a lot against Sean Porter. He kind of neutralized him with, with holding and clinching. Keith doesn't strike me as the guy who's going to do a lot of clinching, and that could be problematic. Um, Adrian Broner caught Sean Porter with a punch, but Adrian Broner never really let his hands go. Oh, that 12th, he finally came out and opened up a bit. Well, he, he landed a couple punches. Like, I, I say this a billion times. I'm just, like, Broner's never showing any really true advancement for me. Um, he fights in modes, but he caught, he caught Sean good for him. Thurman presents a different type of challenge. Can his power keep Porter off of him? Can he catch Porter with a good one and make him respect him? Because Porter didn't respect Broner for 11 and a half rounds. At all. He was walking through everything. Yeah, so... It's an intriguing and fight. I can't I'm wait sure to see. we'll have Sean on the podcast again. Uh, Sean being, you know, so decorated as an amateur, it's crazy to hear him and, and his dad, Kenny, at that, in that matter, talk about the amateur career and him facing a lot of these guys. Well, yeah, you know, but he was a big amateur. He was fighting, a, like, he was fighting a super, he was fighting a middleweight. Yeah, so but it's like, just, just talks of like, oh, we saw Adrian in the gym when we were all both amateurs. Yeah. And Sean was just putting it on him. And then, you know, I'm sure they ran and, and ran into Keith at a certain time. They did. They, I mean, they didn't fight him. Uh, Sean Porter was fighting Demetrius Andrade, who just recently came back. And, uh, you know, Keith was in a lower weight class. So they got a good look at Keith, too. So they so know it's interesting that, Yeah, it's interesting to see what their point of view would be on, on that fight. Because they have a wealth of knowledge. And that's one of their biggest assets. So they have a wealth of knowledge coming and seeing everyone from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. So that's going to be a great fight. That's going to be crazy. Um, but that's pretty much boxing. I mean, we have a couple of cards coming up this weekend. Uh, Charlo fights. Yeah. Which will be good. Um, but outside of that, man, we're, we're all kind of waiting. Bradley's the next big thing. We'll be at the Bradley fight. Yep, Bradley and Rios. And we'll talk more in depth about that next week. Um, but I'm kind of I'm looking forward to that fight. I don't know how well it's going to sell out here in Vegas. Uh, I don't think there's like a tremendous buzz about it. Tim's never really put butts in seats. And Bam Rios, even though he's exciting, he hasn't had a really good fight in a while. Hopefully, uh, with the addition of Lomachenko on the card, it, it turns out to be a decent card. Yeah, I, I'm expecting a decent card from it. So that should be good. And it, it's the kickoff to our big winter kind of slate that we'll have coming up Christ. as far as covering fights and which means only good stuff for the podcast and moving stuff in that direction and being out amongst the people again. So yeah. if anyone's coming into town for the fights, let us know. It'd be great to bump into you guys. We're always out and about. Oh yeah. And pretty soon we're going to make a new announcement where the podcast will be recorded at. It's a place that's pretty popular. Um, but, uh, you know, it'll be somewhere open for where people can swing by. So we'll have that announcement coming very soon for you guys. Uh, all right, so let's move to MMA. Um, all right. Let's talk, which is weird, the biggest story in MMA. Um, 
wasn't about John Jones, but we'll get to that. It was about Ronda Rousey. Covering Ring Magazine, a publication that I work for. Um, Correct. I knew about this for a while. I knew that I figured there was going to be some backlash about it. Um, but before I give my two cents, Kel, I got to ask you, what are your thoughts on a woman MMA fighter covering the most historic boxing publication of all time? Woman or not, that aside, she's not a boxer. She doesn't compete in a ring. So not saying that it can't be covered, it can't be a story. She's on the cover. She is not a boxer. I don't understand it. I, I personally don't. To me, she's having a fight. She sells. And they put her on the cover. You obviously work there. You have better insight than me. Just seeing it from afar, it's just a grab at the Ronda Rousey machine. Because she is not a boxer. Female aside, go get the best female boxer if you want to be progressive. Cover her. Cover her opponent who was the number one female boxer in the world. Put her on the cover. Can she defeat? Can she be the first one to defeat Ronda Rousey? 13 and 1, making an Undertaker type thing. I don't care. <laughs> she was at least a boxer. Give her one boxing glove, her boxing title, and a UFC glove, and put her on the cover. That's the cover you want, and you still get the Rousey pop, at least a little bit of it. Ronda Rousey on the cover just to me doesn't make sense when she's facing a person who is a decorated boxer. All right. That is my stance. So. When I first heard about this, I was kind of curious. I, from a business standpoint, I understood it 100%. I don't know if this is going to eventually lead, because I'm not that entrenched into Ring's inner workings to figure out where they're going with this, but the model is, has been archaic for so long where combat sports need to become combat sports. I don't know if this eventually turns Ring to have some MMA coverage in there, um, which would be much to the chagrin of a lot of boxing fans who hate MMA. But... <laughs> Ronda on the cover, it you know it was done for business purposes. It, she moves the needle right now, and she is fighting a boxer. And Holly Holm, as decorated as she was as a woman's boxer, putting her on the cover moves nothing. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know it, it moves nothing. It doesn't. It just makes sense. It, yeah, it makes sense from that standpoint of you know if you want to take, be very practical about it. But it's it's Ring Magazine is a publication who is under new management, which is Golden Boy, when it's not really new. Um, Golden Boy runs the publications, very transparent about it. But they got to sell magazines, and Ronda Rousey was the route that they wanted to go. I don't know if I agree with it 110%. I don't, I don't know if I completely... That decision came from up top, and it was like, we got to sell some magazines. And by putting Ronda on the cover, people are talking about Ring Magazine more than they ever have been. The long-term effects of this is what I'm concerned about. Um, does it gonna, is it going to skew people who, you know, subscribe to the bank scene away because they don't feel like the ring is still going to be covering the same things? Or is it kind of like putting somebody like Mike Tyson on the cover of Fighters Only or UFC magazine? Because Mike Tyson moves the needle and he's not an MMA fighter, but he loves MMA. Correct. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm 50, 50 on this. I get it from a business standpoint, from a purist standpoint, I didn't like it. Uh, but I understood what they were doing here. And, and the object of the game is to sell magazines. And they definitely did that. It just, it puts it in a weird space. It like does. now it is, 
what is next to sell magazines? Because you can find a lot. <laughs> yeah. You can find a ton um, that are just boxing related. We obviously opened up the show talking about a boxer no one cares about doing gay porn. A lot of stuff moves the needle. Yeah. And it's loosely related. But we aren't the oldest and one of, well, not the oldest, but one of the most respected boxing publications in the world. So we can open our show with whatever we want. Um, if they put a gay boxer on the cover of their magazines, it'd probably also move the needle. It's just a whole different thing. So it's just interesting to see where they're going. And really, it's interesting to see how new media is affecting old media. That's always, that always is the first thing that grabs my attention. Yeah. Because it's like a Twitter hashtag. They played the Twitter link. What is hot? What's going to get a pop? And old media is now trying to catch up to new media. So it's just interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the way it goes. You know, you have old publications like Rain Magazine. You look at the Jet Magazines and Ebony, and you see that the people that work there aren't the typical, you know, they're not of the new age, they're not of the Twitter era and the Facebook era. They come from an older era of journalism. So, it, you know, you got to do different things to try to make things work. Um, you know, even the people that I work with at Ring, for the most part, you know, I think that I'm one of the youngest people there. So it's like you still see that, you know, it's a lot of old heads that cover boxing. I mean, you know, you cover fights. It's mostly older cats that cover fights. I am the youngest person there. You know, so. <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. I am the youngest person there. It, it, like when I started covering boxing, you know, I was, was it? I was in my early 20s. And when I came to fights and I was the only African-American young journalists like there were older guys like tim smith or franklin and a few other guys but when they saw me it was like you know the old guard of boxing writers looked at me like who the hell is this guy like is he in somebody's <laughs> entourage or something like that like but i was a boxing journalist i respected the sport and i knew what i was doing so it's, it's like when you have the young generation come in and have influence and hopefully it doesn't you know the hashtag era has its own pitfalls you know it's very yeah. trendy it's not very it doesn't. It lacks a lot of journalistic integrity. It's Correct. going for what's hot, but you got to kind of mix the old with the new to make things work. And Ronda Rousey is the perfect byproduct of that. She is hot. She is fighting a boxer in her next fight. She is the biggest thing going in all of combat sports right now. Correct. So, I would have just told them showcase the boxer. Yeah. Like if you're gonna put Ronda there, can you see if you can have Ronda holding the UFC title and Holly holding her boxing championship? See, I wouldn't and be put them both to on the cover. Like let's let's mix it. Let's make it make sense. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing I would say. Let's make it make sense. Because now she is fighting a boxer. We have a reason to sell these magazines. Well, you know, and the other thing that always goes with, you know, if you ever work with a publication before, is like you got to figure out your covers well in advance. Yeah. So I think, if I remember correctly, this was in the, the very early workings of Home versus Rousey. And knowing how the UFC has fighters fall out with the drop of a hat, which we'll talk about that Ireland card in a second. It, it would suck if, if Home was injured way before this magazine dropped and she was on the cover. Very true. But Ronda could have been injured as well. Yeah, we just haven't seen that yet. And, yeah. and even if she was injured, she still moves magazines. Very true. Very true. So, um, nah, that, it's interesting to see that. But let's talk about the UFC and let's talk about Ireland. Because Ireland card was something I was actually looking forward to when initially announced. And they lost their main event, co-main event. And then it was like, boom, boom, boom. And yeah. it was already on Fight Pass, so people were like, well, do I really want to even tune in now? 
Um, I heard they were giving refunds back to some people in Ireland. It was just crazy. It's rough. Uh, so, so I have a question then to you, Kel. Should Dustin Poirier fought somebody else once Duffy went out? No, way too short of a time. I agree. Um, it was shorter than McGregor Mendez. Yeah, it was literally like, uh, what was it, a couple days? Like literally yeah. Wednesday. Okay. Wednesday, the fight it was, was like, on Saturday. He got Duffy was out on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, he got a concussion like when – what, I think they announced it was his last real sparring session, yep. and it was light sparring, and still got a concussion. Um, so it's crazy. It, once again, it's a freak accident, but it seems like it's a sport now filled with freak accidents. But Ooh. bigger, faster, stronger. It happened in the NFL. It's happening everywhere. Man, you These know, guys are bigger, faster, stronger. The guys you train with every day are no longer tuna cans. The best in the gym is not a huge separation from the worst in the gym. So you're fighting guys every day that can hurt you. But you know what, though? This doesn't happen in boxing. This, this is not something that happens in boxing. boxing you, no. don't, you don't hear about fighters falling out three days before the fight. No, but you have so many different... I think we've talked about this. We've had, we have so many different disciplines. No, it's true. You're right. That one guy, if you're a striker and you're trying to chain wrestling or jujitsu against a guy who was a national champion or an Olympian, you can get something tweaked or turned or a ligament pulled because you're just not as good as him in that. And then as a striker's concern, you're, I mean, if you're a wrestler, you're going against the best strikers in the world sometimes at your gym. And you are an above-average striker, but this guy is world-class. So you mistakenly take a hit to the head. In boxing, we're all boxers. Yeah. And that's what it is. So we're all world-class boxers. In this other stuff, in mixed martial arts, you have to train every discipline. And you're training against people who have specialties and who are better. So I, I really, I mean, I don't know if I should really take the time out and write the piece and do the research. I don't know if the research is out there. And maybe I'll just Google the piece first to see if it exists. Of the statistics of these major gyms versus people who train on their own and injuries. Because yeah. I want to see, like, America's top team. I want to see, you know, Black Zillions. I want to see uh, all of these huge gyms. And I want to see when the elite get around the elite, are injuries as prevalent as when people train in their hometown gyms or the same people they've been training with all their life? And seeing, is that a detriment to training now? Do you have to move to these big-time gyms because it helps? Or do the big-time gyms hurt more? And going against world-class people every day gets you hurt. I, I just need to see that. But looking at Jose Aldo, he's training with the same people he's always trained with. And this guy's hurt once a year. Yeah. It, it's just kind of a byproduct of the sport. It's unfortunate. Um, I, but going back to the essence of the question, Kelly, I think you should do a piece on that. I think that would be a good piece. But the, uh, the, I don't think we should ever blame Dustin Poirier for taking a fight on that short of notice. That's just not fair to him. Um, you know, even though he, he was preparing for Duffy, even though he would probably would have fought a fighter who was lower on the, the ladder than Duffy, you prepared for Duffy. Like, that was yeah. your job. And now that everything changes, it's not your responsibility to fight and risk your career because we know what a loss can do for you um, to face just some anybody who can. Which, I, which is still why I give Conor McGregor the utmost props because he went for training for Aldo for so long to fighting the best wrestler in his weight class. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's each his own. I'm not mad. It was, it was a card that I didn't care about. I watched some highlights, and I was good. Um, I wanted to see that main event. 
I did too. I did too. Uh, and the co-main originally was Ben Rothwell and Stipe Miocic. And Stipe, yep, would have been an amazing fight. Yeah, but, but this marks, I think, they said thirty-four main events or co-mains that have been scrapped this year. It's crazy. It's crazy how many fights we've lost due to injury. And this isn't even like the worst UFC injury year. It's been a couple of years, like when we lost the, the John Jones Dan Henderson fight, we had to scrap the entire card. Oh yeah, last year with a uh, Mighty Mouse, I believe. Well, no, there was a LA card. That well, that was scrapped. that was uh, the Hen and Brow TJ Dillashaw. Well, yeah, that, that fight went on because TJ Dillashaw ended up fighting Joe Soto. Well, no, 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 it got no. it got postponed, and then Dillashaw still ended up fighting Joe Soto because Burrell got hurt again. Yeah. So, yeah. So the entire LA card was scrapped that yeah. one year. It's yeah. Crazy. So it's it's you know it's injuries suck, um, and it's going to happen. You know, as long as the UFC is giving refunds, they're putting on enough cards to the point where if there's an injury, it's like, oh well, get over it. You'll watch another good card next week. Yeah, it only sucks for the people going. Yeah, if and you the bought game. your tickets, yeah, and if I, like if you flew out there to cover the fight, that's that sucks. Well, if you flew out there to cover the fight, you're getting paid. So I'll watch anyone fight to get paid. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm oh. all right with that trip to Ireland. I, I'd be okay. So um, our, our last topic this week is a reinstatement of John Jones in the UFC. Correct. Yay for him. Oh man, this it's so weird because I I was predicting a year long suspension. Um, I thought he'd get cleared in April, you know, come back in time to fight at UFC 200. It ended up being a six-month suspension for a hit-and-run where he hit a pregnant woman for having drug paraphernalia in a car. and Along with condoms and Cheetos. Yes, I don't think condoms and Cheetos aren't a crime. Um, (laughs) I mean, yeah, he's married, but fuck it. Um, So all of that stuff equals six months. Six months. I, I don't get it. And we're battling Nick Diaz for, you know, with Nick Diaz to suspend him for five years yeah. over smoking weed. And this guy just almost killed someone. And he gets six months. I, I, I don't understand. I, I can't wrap my head around how six months is enough. Uh, and you say he's doing stuff to change and all this stuff. How about he proves it? What's another six months then? That's a, I've said it from the beginning. I got a lot of backlash from it. Like when I said that John Jones shouldn't be fighting for a world title immediately, this was my fear is that he's jumping back in the title picture. Hopefully, Daniel Cormier is smart enough to say, no, he's got to wait till I'm ready. I'm the champ now. But what does John Jones learn? Like I said it before, what does John Jones learn from this? Six months is about the time most people take between fights. Like, it's not a real, the suspension isn't really real. It's not anything that I really think he's going to, he's going to go, oh, you know, I got to change my life because I've been without my title for six months and I'm just going to go get it back again in my first fight back. Yep. I don't think it changes the man. I don't think it changes his personality. John Jones will continue to be the, st- the same douchebag that he was if you don't really force him to do something different. And you're not doing so by saying, all right, you're back. And if you throw him in that title fight, all you're doing is saying everything you did was okay. You know, we had to do something for the public, and we're going to give you your title back. That's- I saw that DC said he's not going to fight him in New York. I that would, was I'm not, the intentions. DC's like, I'm the champion. I'm not fighting in his backyard. Dog, I, he is the champion. And like people continuously say that, well, John Jones, the real champ, he's the number one pound for pound fighter. While that is all true, his, he's not the real champion. He's number one pound for pound fighter. He's not a champion. Right. He lost his championship due to what he did outside of the cage. He should be penalized for that. People keep saying, like, what you do outside of the cage shouldn't affect what happens inside of it. That's not true. These guys are ambassadors for the sport. 
And when you have somebody like John Jones who can he can do this, he can run over another drunk woman tomorrow. A drunk woman. He can run over another pregnant woman tomorrow. <laughs> And you want that carrying your title? You want him to be the ambassador of your sport? Like Not we, to mention, he failed the cocaine test. Right. Like, and that's just gone under the radar. Like, we just recently had... In a calendar had, year. We had an HBO Real Sports special that focused on MMA fighters being violent individuals in domestic disputes. And it put a black eye on a lot of MMA fighters who have never laid a finger on their spouse or their girlfriend. But it's, it's always been this barbaric image of MMA fighters just being guys who run into bars and just beat up the first person they see, male or female. When you have somebody like John Jones carrying your title, you have to make sure that he's a clean act. You know, like you have to clean him up. And right now, he's not clean. His nose is dirty. And you're, giving, you're thrusting him back into the picture, which is why I said his first fight back can't be for the title. It has to be against Alexander Gustafson or Anthony Johnson. That'd be a great fight. A fight we'd all want to see. You want to fight? Put that fight in New York. And I'd say give DC, you know, the March card versus Bader. Right. And then the two can meet at UFC 200 if everything goes accordingly. And that should be the way it should be handled now. Because he's reinstated. So now it's like, what's next? He's got to fight. He has to fight. And I think you do that. One, it's New York. Maybe it's fan-friendly, crowd-friendly. Even if, you know, the MSG thing doesn't stick they just have to move it probably to Newark. Still, John Jones could have a huge fan base there. It may protect him and bubble him a little bit um, differently than going into a championship fight in Vegas would. So you kind of protect him his first fight out, in which I'm sure is the UFC's number one priority. And then DC defends his title one more time, and then the two ramp up to go at it at UFC 200. But I don't see, or you give them both the time off until UFC 200, which you should have just kept him suspended then. Right. And it would have looked better. But DC shouldn't be in a rush to fight him. And in my, I guess in my opinion now, the only thing that's going to change John Jones, because suspensions aren't going to do it, he laughs him off. Discipline's not going to do it, he laughs him off. Because it comes right back, he gets to do what he wants to do. The only thing that will change him is losing. In the octagon. If DC beats him, he will change. Well, yeah, he'll have to. He'll be humbled. Yes, gone will be the cocaine nights three, you know, three weeks before the fight or three days or whatever it was to test positive for cocaine. Gone will be the strippers. Gone will be the hookers. Gone will be the condoms, the hot Cheetos, all that shit. It'll be gone, and he will focus, and he will want to win. Well, I hope And so. that's what it will take. Or uh, one hell of a Rumble Johnson right hand. Yeah, uh, it, you know, but that, that's what I think the path they need to go because – yeah, you know, Cormier is no spring chicken. He's going to need another fight before he fights John Jones. Yeah, you put him in there with Bader early 2016, and then you you set up the John Jones fight for UFC 200. But John doesn't he doesn't deserve a title fight just because of his outside the ring indiscretions. He needs to learn from his mistakes. And other fighters make mistakes. I get it. You know, I'm not penalizing him for life, but he lost the title. He's the only person that I can think of that's been stripped due to what he did outside of the ring. Yeah. You know, so it's like you got to pay for it. Pay for it. Chill. Take a break. Fight somebody. Work your way. Because it's not like Gustafson and Johnson are two random guys. Johnson's the guy you were supposed to fight. Gustafson was also the guy that you were supposed to fight in the rematch before he got hurt and you ended up with Cormier. So yep. these aren't far-fetched choices for John Jones' return bout. No, not at all. And John Jones can't get treated like every other athlete. Other athletes mess up. That's fine. But he's at the pinnacle of the sport. That's like Tom Brady coming out tomorrow and getting busted for weed or a hit and run. It's getting treated differently than 
the third string wide receiver. And it's just the nature. Yeah, it's the (laughs) nature of the beast. So when you are that high profile, Adrian Peterson hit his kid. He might be the best running back of the past two decades. He hit his kid. He was gone for a year. Yeah. It's just when you're that high profiled, you can't mess up. It's just the nature of the beast. I'm sorry. I, I can't walk around being a Twitter knucklehead. No, I'm good. And, and female journalists can't walk around being Instagram thoughts. It, it's just the nature of the beast sometimes. The shit may look fun, but I can't do it. Agreed. You have to know what you sign up for, and John Jones signed up for it, and he wanted the best of both. He got caught, suffered the consequences. And it seems like so far he's just getting thrust right back into the same life. And, man, he, he's still young enough to mess up twice. That's what's scary. Yep. He's got, he's got a few more fuck-ups in him. Hopefully he gets his career back on track. I would like nothing more for John Jones than for him to get his life together. I just think that proper discipline needs to be in order, especially when it's juxtaposed next to Nate Diaz. I mean, Nick Diaz getting potentially five years of suspension for smoking. For marijuana. weed. John Jones hit somebody and ran away. Like, it's so stupid. Yeah, it's completely it's ridiculous. ridiculous. All right, so... so Look, man, I hope the, all you listeners out there are happy. This episode is closing in on almost two hours, <laughs> and I'm done talking, um, and we've covered a, a multitude of topics, and everything's back to normal. Uh, Kel, do you have any parting words for our fans who were upset with us for last week, and hopefully are, we've redeemed ourselves with a longer episode? Well, I'm glad you guys stuck around for two hours. That's what I'm happy about. Um, we have big things in the works. Like I said, a lot of big fights coming up, uh, potential new home for the show. And once we get all that wrapped up and finalized, we'll announce it for you guys. We welcome you guys to come out. If you're in Vegas for one of the fights, uh, Cotto Canelo, we should kind of be already rolling in some of our new things. Come out, spend time with us, hang out. We want to see you. You guys could be on the show. Uh, man, big guest coming up in the future. We have a couple big fights. We'll be on location like we usually do. We'll have a couple special episodes, I'm sure, for Canelo. And Kodo will have like another three episode week. Uh, the same for UFC 194 with Conor McGregor. And it's only getting better. So thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's kind of hectic and stuff, but man, we, we really do this. We're planning this around our real careers. And not too many people go to these fights or do the things they actually talk about. True. You know, a lot of these podcasts are based off of Twitter, are based off of things that you see from afar and stuff that you just watch on TV. We are actually there providing different insights, so it does get a little hectic, but hopefully you guys enjoy what we're bringing you because we have firsthand accounts. So thank you guys for staying with us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at the corner LSN. Um, that's it. Instagram, everything's the same, at Dansby for all my stuff. Yep, and at Andreas Hell, we appreciate you guys for sticking with us, and uh, we'll see you next week. We're out. Peace. Every city block, I fall from a simple man, something jumping off on all of them. The church, the chicken shack, the liquor store, the dope house, the bell bar, the nail salon, the barber shop, the clothes house. They're young and blowing that smoke. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.